Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Well, today uh, we are starting our, vi- our vision series, our fall vision series. And uh, as we're going to look together, you can look into the book of Numbers, chapter 13. And uh, so uh, that is where we are going to start with this morning. And uh, we're going to move forward with this question, where are we going? We have to ask ourselves that now and then. I know when we went into Kansas City uh, yesterday, we had to pull the map out and, or actually pull the phone out and watch the phone to see where we were going. Uh, and I was kind of laughing and, and telling my wife, I said, yeah, I remember when we had to do this by regular maps, you know, and, and we couldn't be driving on the interstate looking at the map at the same time. It's kind of hard to do. It's kind of hard to do. And so you had to really have your bearings. But we have to ask ourselves, where are we going? It, it's really a good question to ask uh, to God as we walk on this special journey. We call this journey life. And it's not only a question we must ask personally, which we must, but it also we must ask it as a a church body. And as individuals, we need to have a focus. And you need to set your goals for life, no matter what age or what season in life you are in. Uh, Some think this is for the young, but uh, who have not yet lived their life, but that is mistaken. It is for every one of us no matter our, our background or our age, a vision is for everyone, young or older, as we see with Caleb, one of Israel's influencers, who uh, ended up with him and Joshua actually going into the promised land in their 80s. It took uh, quite a while. Uh, you may say, well, you know what? I'm not really an influencer. And most people have others they influence in life, though. You may not have authority over another person. You may not be their uh, uh, supervisor. You may not be their boss, those kind of things. But you still have influence. And each and every one of us have that. And uh, maybe you can think of a time that a friend wanted to buy something and and you ask them the question, if you buy that, are you going to be able to pay your rent? Then they step back a little bit and think, um maybe not and so they choose not to purchase make that purchase and uh they they choose not to do that that is influence it's not just reasoning with them but it's also influence the influence of a relationship and you said something to that individual because you care for them we all have all kinds of influencers around us they can be good influencers like Caleb and Joshua we find in the Old Testament, or they can be poor influencers like the other ten spies who went with them into uh, the promised land to check things out. And uh, so uh, let's set the stage a little for you if you're not familiar with the birth of the nation of Israel. And God gave Abraham uh, this uh, promise that he would have a whole bunch of descendants. That was God's promise in, in a nutshell. They needed, they needed food during the famine, and they went into uh, Egypt, and while they were there, they ended up being changed over into slaves, overtaken in that way. And so God used Moses then to pull them out, to lead them out of Egypt, and so they could go to a land that God had promised the people of Israel. 
But while God was walking them to victory, they had a hard time being able to keep their focus on where they were going. They didn't always listen to the right influence. And to establish a new nation of Israel, God was setting up Moses to get things ready to to send his people into the land he had promised them. So let's look here in Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 to 3, as we start out. And this is what it says. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran, all of them were leaders of the Israelites. So here you have these guys. These guys were influencers uh, among their families, among their tribes in Israel. But they had a responsibility to check things out and to report back to Moses uh, what it was like there. But you, you must not forget something important here. This was God's promise. This was God's promise to his people, uh, and uh, here he says in verse 2, to explore Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. So that was part of God's promise there. He's reminding them this, and God said he was going to do it. He doesn't usually give a command without some kind of a promise. He usually has that promise uh, there with it. So now let's look into some more verses here in Numbers chapter 13, verse 21. And uh, let's look together. He says, So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehoab uh, uh, toward Lebo Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where uh, Amman and uh, Shishai and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. And he says, Hebron had been built seven years before Zone in Egypt. But when they re reached the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the valley of Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. So these guys had been there for a while. Uh, they, they went in, they checked things out, they, they were doing their recon, you know, and the, the 12 spies went into Canaan land. This is the place that God had promised them. And, and Israel, the former slaves that God had delivered by his own power, now have the opportunity to have their own place. This was God's plan for them. And there was going to be some great places where they could flourish as a new nation. Yeah, there, they were going to, there were going to be challenges too. And the important thing for them was that they don't lose their focus as they keep walking to victory. And they had, had to be careful not to let the wrong influencers pull them off of the path that God had placed them on. And the same goes for you and me as followers of Jesus Christ, as individuals, and as a body, a church body, because challenges come. Sometimes things happen in our lives that can distract us, and then we can lose focus where we're going. Now, one time, uh, Jody and I, when we were uh, 
going out west. We were leaving uh, North Texas, going to California, Southern California, to do ministry there. Uh, I was driving a U-Haul, pulling a trailer, and uh, Jody was driving the van, and she had stuff in the van. And we had the two boys at that time, and we were headed out there. And, uh, we're driving along in West Texas, and, and you know the only thing in West Texas is a few oil wells, uh, maybe some cattle, uh, some dirt, and uh, you know, and some armadillos. And so those are the things that seem to be out there in West Texas. And so we're driving along, and I was running about 70 mile an hour in the in the uh, U-Haul truck, and then all of a sudden, as we kind of come down. Uh, this uh, this uh, light incline, not a hill, by the way. As we come down, uh, all of a sudden the engine cut out. You know, this is a fairly brand new, a fairly new truck. Uh, it, I've spent a day and a half loading that truck meticulously so that we could take everything we had out west. And there it was, it died on the highway. And you know my automotive and truck background, so you know. But I am in West Texas. And uh, so uh, we look, we check it out. Uh, it, it just totally died on me. I think maybe electrical, uh, maybe something like that, maybe fuel or something. And uh, so I let it sit there a minute trying to figure out what we were going to do and uh, I think I pulled the fuel filter off and I came to the conclusion it was probably the fuel filter, but didn't know for sure, didn't have anything to test and so here we are. So what did we do? We prayed. <laughs> That's what we did. We had plenty of fuel and uh, so we prayed. We said, God, we, we, need, we need some help and so I said, you, you know what we're going to do when we get to the next town? We're going to go to a shop and, uh, and we're going to get a, get a fuel filter, swap them out and see what we can do. So I get to a, a truck shop and they said, look, this is a U-Haul. And they said, for these U-Haul trucks, and I used to work on them all the time, but they said, for these U-Haul trucks now, they, they have their own special order of fuel filter. And so we can get it tomorrow if you want it. I said, okay, no thanks. And so I said, we are going to take the chance. And we said, we are going to make it. And so we took off and we drove. We made it all the way to Southern Cal to our place and was able to get there without any other hiccups and other than the traffic, of course. And so uh, we took that chance. We could have easily given up. Maybe on an extreme case, we could have decided, hey, let's just stay in West Texas and live here and serve here. No, that's not what we did because we felt we needed to keep going. God had another thing for us. And we have to, had to choose to move forward with the vision that we had to be able to serve the Lord. And the promise was ahead. But it did not mean that things were going to always go easy. Look at verse 27 here in Numbers uh, chapter 13. It says this, They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. They said, look at this stuff here. And, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. I think they're probably saying to Moses, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And so he goes on and says, we, we even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country and all these places. And, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. So 
these spies, they've gone into this place and they are a little concerned. It's here where we get ourselves in trouble, kind of like Israel did. We get the but syndrome, right? We think, well, you know, God, you said to do this, but uh, we, we tend to forget the promises of God. And in reality, this is when we need to remember the promises of God. It's in those tough times. And, and those times we say, I, I don't know how we are going to make it through this, but we have to look to the Lord. And uh, when things look impossible, we must take them to heart. Now look at what Caleb does uh, here in verse 30. Or, or he says this, or it says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. See, Caleb had courage and uh, knowing in his heart that God would help them through this. And remember, this was, this was a different time. You know, when you look at this, sometimes if we're not real familiar with Old Testament Scripture, we think, how, how could they, 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 be, uh, they be wanting to run into war and all that kind of stuff, but yet to keep in mind that God was building a nation who was going to follow him. They were, they were to be an example to the world. And of course, this is where the Messiah who would save us all was to come out of. And the people they were going against had been serving false gods. And I don't know if we fully understand what God is doing. You know, we, sometimes we say we do, but I don't fully understand. And the people, they, they had chose to do their own things. But, but God had planned for Israel to conquer those people and to set up a proper kingdom there. And Caleb was not going to be influenced by those who said, we can't do it. He wasn't going to allow that to rule him. And look at what it says there in verse 31. It says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. Uh, they're, they're doing some ad-lib. They're adding on there some. But it uh, devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim. Where, uh, there the descendants of Anak, uh, Anak come from the Nephilim. And we, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And they said that's their own perspective of their own selves. And we looked the same to them. Well, that's, that was their perspective of themselves, too. So these, these influencers from the, the families of Israel really had a poor perspective at this point. Remember, they'd come out of slavery. They'd been, they'd been suppressed for a long period of time. If You have to be able to take that into account and, and recognize that they had been suppressed and squelched for a long period of time, and now they've got to break out of this, and God has done some wonderful and powerful things. And really, we aren't much different than them in some sense. Uh, we may not have been the, through the things that they have been through, but, but the facts are uh, they still had promises that come from God. It wasn't that they didn't see reality. The problem was is that they were, had trouble keeping up with God's plan. They seemed to focus on what they didn't think they could do, so they gave a bad report. So Caleb and Joshua saw the same things they did, but they seemed to focus on God's promise over there in Numbers chapter 13, verse 2. 
which said, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. So here, when the vote came down, the vote was down. It was 10 to 2, right? 10 of the spies are saying, hey, this can't, we can't do this thing. Two of them said, yes, we can. And, uh, and so we, we can't attack them. And, and then, yes, we can. But they, they were worried because they saw some big guys in the enemy's camp, these descendants of Anak. Their perspective of fear was keeping them from doing what God not only asked them to do, but he had equipped them to do. Sometimes that's, we kind of get off, don't we? We don't realize God may have even equipped us to do certain things. But we allow, allow a perspective to come along, that perspective of fear that holds us back from doing what God has called us all to do. God had had to build a nation of people, and they were too focused on themselves. Hal Donaldson said this uh, in one of the books he wrote that we're reading. He said, uh, apathy is telling yourself the most important thing is that I make it through the, to the other side. What happens to everyone else is their business. That's apathy. It's saying change is impossible or inevitable no matter what I do, so why should I get involved? That's pretty strong, isn't it? It's pretty strong what he says. And ten of, those, uh, ten of the spies didn't want to have to take the risk to get involved. They were afraid to lose so much. Sad thing is, is it was God's promise for them. But, but even so, they didn't want to step out in faith. And Caleb and Joshua, uh, on the other side, ha they were willing and they were ready to step into the land that God had promised for them. They were ready. Uh, pastor, our pastoral staff is reading this book together called Disruptive Compassion by Hal Donaldson. Really powerful book. Uh, if you if you want to read a book that you haven't read for a while, uh, haven't read, this is a great one to read. I would challenge you to read it. Of course, Hal Donaldson is, is the one who started uh, uh, Convoy of Hope, or he's the CEO of Convoy of Hope. And uh, he, before he uh, before he went to that, uh, he started his career as a journalist. And uh, he uh, he while he was. Uh, doing some interviewing over to the Buntains, who are our AG missionaries over there in India. Uh, he was talking to them, and they were connected to Mother Teresa, and they said, you need to go talk to Mother Teresa and interview her. And so Hal Donaldson goes over, and he, he interviews her and talks to, talks to her for a little while. He says while he interviewed her, she leaned over towards him, and she asked him this question. And she, she said, young man, can I ask you why, uh, what you do to help the poor? See, it's one thing to, to interview somebody, but when they turn around and start interviewing you <laughs> and kind of hold your feet to the fire, it kind of makes you think a little bit, doesn't it? And he told her, he's like grappling for words, trying to think through this. He said, I, I am not really doing anything. And she smiled at him, and she said, everyone can do something. Everyone can do something. So her charge to him really should have an impact on everything we do as followers of Jesus. 
And that's one reason why so many support what Topeka Rescue Mission is doing. In fact, on October 6th, we're going to, uh, Jim Lucero from the Mission Hill campus is going to come over and he's going to uh, do a spread of barbecue. And if you want to help support the, uh, the mission, uh, you can uh, help and buy a, a box lunch or sit down and eat the barbecue after service, after the second service. And, uh, and so, or you can order ahead if you'd like to, but, but all those proceeds are going to go to the mission. So it's one, that's one reason why we do that. And, and, it's not, uh, and also, it's the reason why we do One Day to Feed the World offering in November as well, because we're, we're trying to reach out and to help, because everyone can do something, but it's not limited just to those kind of things. That's why we support missionaries. We realize that we can also share our faith with others around us. Really, everyone can do something. It goes beyond and, and much further than simply feeding the poor. It comes back to our mission as a church, as a body. And our mission is to connect people to God, to others, and to their calling, and to reach our community. Back in January, the 13th to be exact, of this year, we, call, we called this the Year of Invitation, and God's invitation to you is about three things. We talked about making you righteous, one, and we know that happens through the blood of Jesus and what he did on the cross for us so that we could come to faith and be made righteous in God's sight. And then God's invitation is about trust or faith, that we put our trust and our faith in him. And God's invitation is about his grace, which we know is God's riches at Christ's expense, so that we could be brought into the family of God and... The question I had, have you returned your RSVP to God? Have you returned that invitation back to him and said, hey, yeah, I'm coming. I'll be there. I'm going to step up to the plate. And we have to answer that question. We also have to answer this one. So where are we going? Where are we going as a body? And where are we going as individuals as we follow the Lord and no matter what our stage is in life? This, it comes back to our mission, connecting people to God, to others, to their calling, and to reach our community. So there are different ways that we fulfill our mission through worship services and life groups and, and through ministries like Celebrate Recovery, which you're going to hear from about in, in a few weeks. And, and so there are some, some really important things that we have that are a part of our body. And something else we talked about in, in January was this, people must hear... And we must invite. The Apostle Paul invited people to come to faith. Uh, one of the most abused quotes today is preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary. We talked a little bit about that. The, the, the quote is supposed to be from Francis of Assisi, uh, but it's not, even in, it's not even found in his original writings. Uh, Ed Setzer wrote an article uh, titled, Preach the Gospel, and since it is necessary, use words. Yes, there are times that we're in those Middle Eastern countries and those places where it's not quite as easy or be listened to in Northern, uh, Northern Asia. Uh, for our missionaries, it's not as easy to. For us, uh, and especially in our nation, we have freedom of religion, and yes, we can do that. And, uh, but we have to remember that we have that responsibility to be able to share uh, our faith. Yes, we want our actions to, to match up to the Word of God in our lives. 
But the gospel is a message, and that message has to be shared with other people. There's still 90,000 people in Topeka who are needing of a Savior. Each one of those people are important to God, and He loves them. But you are called to be part of the solution. I am called to be part of the solution as followers of Jesus, and everyone can do something. Uh, this year, we had planned to do the block party, and normally we, uh, we would normally have done the block party uh, probably this weekend or the following weekend, uh, but we had some snags uh, earlier in conjunction to the national night out. We were going to do it with them, but there's some stipulations didn't allow us to do it like we had expected and planned to do. And then we had some equipment issues as well with the mishaps with all the bounce houses. Uh, we couldn't do it because we don't have them now at this point. And so, uh, so we are, we're, we're changing things up a little bit this year. We have the faith and family night that, that Justin Tompkins from the second service is going to help us connect with people and, and go to that. But on the other hand, then on October 25th, you want to mark that on your calendars. It's not in the bulletin yet, but we'll put it there. Uh, we're going to have a chili cook-off. You say, chili cook-off? Hey, we're going to have a good time. We'll have some games for the kids and stuff. And it gives us opportunities to connect with our community. And then we can do that invite, right? And we can talk to them and encourage them to, to be a part of what God is doing here. And uh, so we'll have some things for the kids and everything, but also for adults. And so you guys, get your chili recipe out. Uh, Maybe you say, I don't have one. Well, search one on the internet or go to the library. Maybe, maybe you have an old cookbook that you, you see a chili recipe in it. And you say, I don't know if that one's any good. We'll cook it and bring it. We'll see. <laughs> we'll have some judges. It'll be a good time. And we've seen how Caleb and Joshua weren't going to hold back, but they were ready to take hold of God's promises for the people of God. And they faced some challenges, though, as well, didn't they? That whole body faced some challenges. And in Numbers chapter 14, it says here in verses 6 uh, up to 10, it says, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, were among those who had explored the land and tore their clothes and said to the entire uh, Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. They didn't say it's okay. They didn't say it's fine. We think it may be good. They said it's exceedingly good. You know, they brought some of the fruit back as, he, as uh, Moses told them to. And, and it says in verse 8 there, If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Then he says in verse 9, some really powerful things. He said, only do not rebel against the Lord and do not, be afraid, uh, do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their, their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. So the whole assembly was a little upset, right? Because they had the ten spies that come in and said, oh yeah, it's nice, it's good, everything's good there. But we just think it's going to be too difficult for us to get in there and accomplish uh, what God wants because some of these guys are humongous. Some of these guys are like Goliath and we just don't want to have to deal with that. 
So here, here's Joshua and Caleb, and about three things they said to these former slaves who were now people with the promise from God. First, he said in verse 9, he says, don't rebel against the Lord. We have to ask ourselves, why would they rebel against the Lord, first of all? There's always kind of a backstory. Really, it came down to the report of fear that the ten spies had provided to the people of Israel. And their rebellion really would have come from one, uh, one reason, because they were scared. Simply because they were scared. Second, Joshua and Caleb said, do not be afraid of the people. Don't be afraid of the, the Malachites. Don't be afraid of all those guys. Uh, and then, then, you're, then you're trying to uh, follow through. When you're trying to follow through with a God-given mission, you, you have to fight against the fear uh, and that can influence you. Because fear can come into our lives when we're trying to do something. Men are real good about that. It's kind of funny. I'm a man, so I can kind of say this. For us men, it's funny because... We say it's not fear, but when a man gets up, as they say in Texas, he bows up and he's ready to fight, it's because he's scared. Just the way it is. He may say he's not, and he may be very far, but that's part of it as well. It's that fight or flight thing. Fight or flight, it's the same kind of thing happening there. And the fact is, that for these guys, they just handled it a different way. And so people, yes, they, they get scared. There's fear in their heart for some reason. But we have to be able to focus on the promise of God. We have to be able to focus on what God is saying. Uh, I'm one of those guys, I have the fear of heights, right? I, I don't like it. This week I was up here on the ladder. I was standing on the very last rung uh, as I was trying to get up on top and... and uh, uh, Pastor Steve and I, we were, we were trying to take care of some of the video stuff, you know, that we've got from the lightning. Got, we're slowly coming down and getting those things taken care of. And, uh, and so I'm there on the very last round, but uh, I do not like heights. I don't like them, but there's something you have to do. I've learned this a long time ago, is you have to focus on the right thing. You have to focus on the thing you're doing. So I'm focusing on plugging and unplugging things up there. And to, and to just focus on, get the business done and get down and then do what you need to do, right? And that's the way it is. And I think as followers of Jesus, we have to recognize sometimes that we have to recognize that there is a promise for us. Something good is coming into our lives and God has a plan for us. Some of you guys, your hands are sweating already out there thinking of the eyes. Uh, but, but the fact is, is we have to trust in God and focus on Him and allow Him to speak into our lives and then keep moving forward. He's faithful. He has a plan. Keep our focus on what we're doing so we're not distracted by the thought of failing or falling. The third thing that Joshua and Caleb said to these former slaves who are now living under the promises of God was this. The Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. He had, God had not left them. He was not too happy with them. If you go on and keep reading there, you could do that on your own there. You could see he wasn't too happy with them. He wanted to, he wanted to wipe them off the face of the earth, but uh, he doesn't do that. Moses intercedes, but he wasn't really happy about that. But all God asks of us is to follow his lead. He just asks us to follow his lead. We don't need to get ahead of him. We don't need to ignore him. 
uh, or, uh, or to do our own thing. We have to allow him to lead us in our lives and recognize that any plan that he has for us may not always be easy, but the Lord will enable us and help us to accomplish what he's asking us to do. We have to ask ourselves, why do we exist as a body and where are we going? Yet we always must keep the mission in front of ourselves. We must always keep that mission in front of us. As we wrap this up this morning, Jesus kind of said it this way to the apostles, and it should be up there, Matthew uh, 28. And uh, Jesus said, the, said it this way. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey I, everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always. What a powerful direction, what a powerful commission, what a powerful command that the Lord gave to the apostles. But it's not just to them, it trickles down for every person in the body of Christ. As we have been called to follow him, called to serve him, Jesus gave us this command, he gave us this commission, and it's for us here in Topeka, it's for us in Kansas, it's for us in the United States, it's for us around the world to take part in however God has us to serve. We have to fulfill it as, creative, as creatively as we can. So we do lots of different things to be able to reach people's lives and to share them. But it comes with making connections with them. We have to make those connections. If we don't make those connections or if we, when God makes those connections for us and those doors open then we have to take advantage of that and say, okay, God, I see what you're doing here. And allow God to work with us and in us. You don't have to worry because Jesus said something really neat there. He said, I'm, I'm with you always. What to the very end of the age? I'm with, I'm with you always. And isn't that really kind of the same thing that Caleb and Joshua were saying there. If you go back, uh, if you go back into Numbers, isn't that the same thing? Same God. He's he's speaking to people in the Old Testament, getting things laid out, getting things set up, and now he's speaking to people in the New Testament through the Son of God. And and he said, same God. And he said, I'm still with you. I'm still with you, and I'm still going to help you. This is the year of invitation. God may put somebody in your path to invite that you never thought would come. That you, you never thought God would open the door and all of a sudden he opens that door and you say, yeah, I don't know. I've asked them three times before. They say it takes about seven times to, get, to invite somebody to get them to come with you to church. It may be a little higher than that now. I don't know, but uh, the fact is, is uh, we still... Uh, need to keep our hearts open to what God wants to do because you, you may just simply be surprised what he may do. Well, let's pray this morning. I just want to challenge you with these words this morning. And ask, and We have to ask ourselves, where are we going? We're going to work at fulfilling the mission that God has called us to as followers of Jesus here at Topeka First Assembly. 
And this time we're going to uh, we're going to uh, worship the Lord with this final song. And uh, why don't you stand with me? Michael's going to come and he's going to lead us in in uh, uh, just a short time of worship uh, as we wrap up, and then we'll then we'll go our respective ways. But remember, as we step out of this building, that we're entering the, our own mission field, each and every one of us. God gives us the opportunity to serve Him. God gives us the opportunity to, to engage people maybe that we would never have the opportunity to engage. I was challenged this weekend. We went to Kansas City. We went to Westport area. And uh, there, was, uh, there was a Baptist church there. And uh, they were up. One guy was up standing on a, uh, 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 I don't know, a step stool or something. He was preaching on the corner. I said, good for you. And, and he was doing it a Kirk Cameron style. If you know what that's about, it's trying to help you try to think through it. Uh, so uh, one of them gave me a track, and I thanked him. <laughs> what encouraged you, right? And uh, so there were several of them there, and I thought, you know, it may or may not be effective the way that we would expect it to have been 20, 30, 40 years ago. They are doing the message a little bit different trying to help people and I'm sure they probably get the tomato thrown at them once in a while I don't know but they were willing to be able to share their faith with people one way or the other trying to engage them there may be different ways that we do that but one way th one thing we do know is that personal connection that we have with people is more important than anything may the Lord give us those opportunities and may we be willing to take those opportunities God gives them to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are here working in our lives. We pray that, Father, that you would guide us and fill us with your presence. Lord, not only so that we can feel strong and, and feel good and keep moving forward, but, Father God, so that you could do your will. Because you tell us in your word that it's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and all should put their trust and their faith in you father help us as your people to be able to keep our hearts open to allow your mission the mission of this body to keep at the forefront no matter if we're scared of the heights we still have to focus on the right thing lord help us to focus on the mission in front of us father we give you thanks because you are faithful in jesus name